are you seeing like a little bit of dabbling as far as institutions right now? Or do you think this is probably going to be another year to like 18 months before they fully submerge themselves into this industry when we have some clear structure in place? Hey, everyone. Welcome to our latest TDR Cannabis Exclusive. Thanks for checking in today. This is take two. We had a little bit of technical issues yesterday in our live stream with Dan Aarons from Advisory Shares, but like this man needs no introduction at all. Let's just jump into it. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not play that game again. No. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Good to see you. But uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah, if I didn't get a chance to hear you uh, yesterday, but uh, how was the holiday season and um, pretty exciting times, would you say, for the industry as we've now embarked finally on 2024? Yeah, I like to think so. Um, and, uh, you know, last week was a, a nice bump and some positive things coming out. But, um, you know, th this week, not so much, but I don't mind. Um, yeah, I like fine. reminders to investors that this is normal course. Things go up and down. These are yep. extremely volatile cannabis stocks and they don't just move in one direction. All is yeah. well. All is yeah. well. We saw, like you said last week, an uptick in volume. One day had 10 million in volume. Your average is around six. We saw 23 million in one day back in September. Um, do you think we've turned the corner as far as investor sentiment? Yes, still volatile. But do you think now that we're into a new year, we've turned the corner? Uh, or am I getting a little a, ahead of myself? There's, there's all sorts of stuff in that question, Chad. Um, yes ish um because i liked last week a nice upward movement yep. the volume wasn't outrageous and uh you know i was talking to some other folks in the industry and i said it was it was orderly is what it was last week it was orderly okay. everything moved smoothly so um no i want to reinforce there's still going to be plenty of ups and downs even when we get our dea announcement which i'm can I use the word betting, betting on? I, I think it's uh, it's coming. Yeah. I, I hate predictions about the um, timing of, <laughs> because I, yeah. I gently said that I think it might be coming before the end of November, if not December. I, I, I uh, you know, tempered my words, uh, no guarantees, but um, I, I think that DEA announcement's still coming. I don't know when. And um, things could get violent, violently moving upwards. But we all know it's not going to be a done deal, even when yeah. we get that DEA. There's going to be multiple yeah. steps to put things in place, the attorney general letter. And you know what? This stuff's going to move violently up and down once again. Yeah. As long as we get a um, over the course of the year, a nice upward trajectory that yeah. I like to think we're going to get. Yeah, I think history will repeat itself based on what you just said. Like when we got a recommendation announcement back on August 29th, we saw a lot of the tier two and tier three companies outperform the tier ones, the ones yeah. that were basically shorted the most. They have retracted. And I could definitely see those tier two and tier three, tier three companies probably outperforming the big guys in the short term. Uh, once we do get announcements, but like you said, once I guess the euphoria of the announcement is gone, there's a lot of work that's got to get done, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Once again, the DEA, um, acceptance of that doesn't put all the framework in place. Yeah. Um, and I've talked about this with other people. Um, a real big thing is you get the DEA accepting 
let's say it's a schedule three recommendation that we all think is coming. What does that mean for uh, medical cannabis states? I mean, schedule three means yeah. it's a prescription drug. So we need um, guidance. Uh, everybody thinks there's going to be a, we keep calling it the Garland memo, an attorney general letter that's going to describe yeah. that the um, current medical framework that individual states have and dispensaries is good in this case for schedule three. That's different than a physician writing a prescription. The other thing that this attorney general letter needs to do is address the entire elephant in the room of adult use. Schedule uh -huh. three drugs aren't usually used for adult use uh, without some kind of prescription. Yeah. And um, we're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry here that's operating in a, now a majority of the states employing tens of thousands, if not hundred thousands of Americans. So no, they're not going to throw that out. The attorney general letter from everything we've heard from top to bottom is going to address that. But still, there's a hell of a lot of framework that needs to be put in place for all this stuff. And then top on, put on top of that, you know, capital markets, exchange listing, all the other stuff yeah. that needs yeah. to come. Yeah. Which, and all that I stuff think, means ups and downs for these stocks. Okay. Yeah, 100%. I think you. what you just outlined, too, <laughs> is probably the main reason why institutions are saying, look, we'll miss the first 20% upswing. Once you guys yeah. get your stuff all figured out and there's a lot of that, but are you seeing like a little bit of dabbling as far as institutions right now? Or do you think this is probably going to be another year to like 18 months before they fully submerge themselves into this industry when we have some clear structure in place? Uh, dabbling is a good word for it. And, and a big thing is who physically can invest in these stocks. Good point. That, that, good that's point. a big one. So there are plenty of institutions wanting to. Um, yep. there's, there's things like family offices, hedge funds, things like that, that can sometimes with a little bit of difficulty, depending on who their custody banks are and prime brokers are and who they use. And we, we know a lot of those family offices invest in our fund MSOS because uh, we communicate with them. But there's yep. plenty of other you know, family offices, hedge funds, those types of structures that can you move to a different level of institutional investor and many of them just flat out can't, cannot. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about OTC traded stocks here, uh, many times listed on the secondary exchanges. You know, what Terrasen did and now what Curaleaf has done opened yeah. additional doors. And when I say what yep. they've done, they listed on the Toronto. That allows additional um, investment from institutions but hey, now we're still talking about a Canadian exchange, still traded OTC technically in the U.S. And then even the fund itself, depending on what brokerage firms and wirehouses that we're talking about, the fund itself is still blocked at some places. The, the fund itself is available to a lot more investors than some of the individual OTC names, but the fund's not even available everywhere else. So that's a whole yeah. series of steps. And do I have a prediction on how long it's really going to take? Hell no. That's um, no one knows. complicated stuff. Very complicated stuff. And I know a lot of investors right now just think it's turnkey, but there's a lot of things yeah. behind the scenes. I was speaking to Boris last uh, month when they listed at the TSX in Toronto. But do you see a lot of that trend going into this year where you're seeing more and more companies that were, say, for example, on the CSE shifting to the TSX? Because after speaking with a lot of representatives there, it's like, 
they're open for service and they're fully uh, immersing this to say the least. Yes, but um, my answer is most companies simply can't do it. They don't have the corporate structure right. that, you know, Jason at Terrasend has. And, um, and, you know, you know, Boris and Camilo at, uh, at Cureleaf, they had to do some restructuring and they had to do some work. It was some heavy lifting yeah. to get um, their entities in a structure that worked with the, the TSX. Now, mm-hmm. if you look at, um, hell, our largest holding is, is Green Thumb, but Green Thumb is a single entity, a single entity in the United States, a very well run one. We're big fans, obviously. But um, now yet you have talked to Boris or Jason and talked to the Toronto themselves. It's a complicated structure. The simplest way is, um, you know, Jason told me we had to put a fence around our U.S. operations and you have to have, um, you know, non-U.S. operations and U.S. operations. You got to have a fence around the U.S. operations, complicated stuff. It simply isn't even an option to think about under current current rules, current laws for most of the MSOs to to do. Yeah, I was actually surprised, but not surprised. And I spoke to both Jason and Boris that these conversations did not happen a year ago. This was five years in the making. So needless to say, if you haven't started these conversations, there's probably really no point in entertaining them for, like you said, companies that don't have the proper structure in place uh, to list, let's say, on a senior exchange like the TSX and wait for some more developments within the U.S. But um, all in all, like, what would you say outside of this pending rescheduling announcement? What are key trends that you're watching closely from a fundamental standpoint uh, going into 2024 when uh, factoring in a lot of the companies that are part of your ETFs? Yeah, um, there, there's lots of things. It's, uh, you know, it's limited licenses. You know, er, every state structure is, is different. Uh, you know, when you look at some of the markets that aren't really um, integrated um, in limited license, like, like California, what's the most important thing in California? It's it's uh, taxes and um, prices. So right. um, watching those things, everybody thinks California's going to get better. And God, we've been just like waiting on federal reform. We've been waiting on uh, California to uh, get better for for years now. Um, You know, backing up to Cureleaf, I was really complimentary of Boris uh, last year. He said, we're going to exit some of the non-profitable markets and focus on the better markets. And then, you know, within three months later, he was, you know, announcing that he's leaving Oregon and uh, basically everything on the West Coast. And people were like, oh my God, they're exiting these markets. Now he's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. Um, yeah, for good reason, right? You know, something else is state by state, mm. things keep growing. And we, we have valid initiatives for additional medical cannabis states that are probably going to come online in 2024. We have medical market states uh, that might go adult use. And the, the big ones, the real big ones to watch are Florida and uh, Pennsylvania. I mean, yeah. those could be great, great markets because the medical markets there, especially Florida, are so darn strong and well run at adult use. And, uh, you know, that's cherry on top. Those things are strong. Um, and, and 140 million tourists per year. But I think Florida has the potential to become what California could have been. Yeah. And that, that to me, 
Kim said, a $6 billion market. And uh, I think she's right. Uh, I think that market is going to be the biggest cannabis market in the world. I can't disagree. No, it's uh, it's uh, fantastic. And I think, uh, again, one of the things we've been waiting on year after year and, you know, there's a Republican, um, uh, you know, governor there and uh, some fighting back and forth. But now it looks like it'll finally get there and it won't be blocked. So, you yeah. know, all of those things are still moving in the right directions. Um you know, before we came on air, we were talking about the difference between some of these Canadian companies that are uh, spend thrifts, uh, if we don't, if we don't mind calling them that, as compared to these U.S. <laughs> companies that are yeah. more often properly frugally run. Now, yeah. they're forced to be frugally run because they don't have all that capital markets money uh, because of the yep. whole U.S. structure. But, yeah. but needless to say. It is what it is. So most of these companies are financially sound, even though they're begging for, for federal reform and they need capital. But um, now we can't hide the fact that we really, really got to have the federal reform. I mean, fundamentals yeah. are okay-ish, but we got to have federal reform. And I think we're really finally going to get it this year. Although I will freely admit I'm the boy that cried wolf I was expecting it last year. I was expecting it the yeah. year before. I wrote a damn book about it three years ago. We're still waiting on it, but now, now thankfully, we're not, you know, depending on elected politicians. Um, That's we're a gonna get it. Here, we're gonna right? get it by federal bureaucrats that are appointed by by politicians. I know. I think we're really gonna get it this time with the rescheduling. And hell, the rescheduling is yeah, so much more impactful than just something like safe. Than thing. safe. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I keep hearing Q one uh, not end of probably Q two. I'll put my neck out in the line. I keep sticking to that. I think it's Q two. Q three becomes too late as we head closer into the election, but that's some of the feedback yeah. that uh, I've received. But uh we actually had a lawyer on last week uh, who studied, who's big into the cannabis law. He actually thinks it'll happen after the election. I completely respectfully disagree with him when it comes to that. But uh, I think Q2 is probably the sticking point. It would be amazing if they made this announcement on 420, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, if that were to happen, needless to say, it's uh, we've turned a corner. Well, a real big question here, though, is what is it? So when I hear attorneys say, oh, I think it might you know, actually be after the election, they might be talking about full enactment of new laws. Good point. Good point. Um, and, you know, I've been hearing from from people that that's why I said, I think maybe probably I'm hopeful for, you know, I expected it before the, the year end. I was expecting an announcement and now I'm still expecting an announcement sooner rather than later. Whereas Boris, who is very much in the same loop and talks to a lot of yep. the same people, he's he's been vocal about saying he thinks April. Yeah, so, me but the big question here is what is it? Because I think I'm looking forward to the DEA saying, yes, we are going to accept and recommend a schedule three. Mm -hmm. Does that make it a done deal? Well, no. They still have to, then it goes back to the Department of Justice. It's it's not a choice. It's it's a done deal, but they haven't 
put all the pen to paper and said this is a a new law. It's gonna there's yeah. gonna be stops and starts of actual ena- enactment of all this stuff, and and we still need the uh, you know the attorney general letter uh, that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So, well, I'll be curious to see what kind of volume that we'll get. Like I said, 23 million one day it hit in September back when there was the recommendation announcement. But if there's actual full on confirmation and then once that all gets put into play, but if the DEA were to say that, yes, we are going to reschedule this, uh, I think 23 million is definitely a number that will be achieved, if not more. But I don't yeah. want to put you on the spot and think of what kind of volume that you'll get. But, need, you know, I, I think it'll be obviously a, a very attractive time for the industry. Speaking of your ETF. Um, are there any companies not included, uh, currently in it that you're, uh, considering? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but, uh, no, I, I always have, <laughs> a, expect um, to. I always have a running list. Uh, no, we're, we're always looking at, um, the entirety of the industry. There's yeah. a couple companies that we have chosen not to add and I got, uh, no regrets and every once in a while on, you know, the, social media, whatever people say, but you own XYZ company. Well, yeah, I know. I bought XYZ company three years ago uh, under different circumstances when we were, you know, you know, looking for, you know, capacity wherever we could invest in stocks. And do I really like that stock now? No, not maybe so not, but it ain't worth my time and effort and selling and it's not material to the fund. And, um, you know, there's some other, um, there's some real gems in the bottom part of the portfolio as well that at today's prices, you know, goodness growth, the New York exposure. Yep. Um, New York has been a shit show. It's been horrible for the last couple of years after we thought it was going to be huge, but New York is full upside from, from today. They're, they're starting to Boris get their was telling me, think of that a little bit. Yeah, I, I definitely think based on some of the announcement last uh, last month. But uh, again, I was uh, speaking to Boris. What a wholesale market that's going to be, because from what I'm hearing, the black market dispensaries could flip to legal dispensaries. And I don't know if the last time you were in uh, the Big Apple, I was there last month. And these black market dispensaries, you'd never think that they're illegal. The storefronts are incredible and they're at every single block. So if they're coming down hard on these landlords and finding them as much as $10,000 a day, you can understand that that's going to change in a hurry give them incentives to obviously flip to the legal side. And then if you're a multi-state offer, the last thing you'd want to do is start to build a retail footprint within that, you know, area, but the wholesale market, uh, tremendous upside to say the least. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Going back to the fund. Um, we've always thought that, um, you know, with federal reform, th- things are going to change and yeah, we're going to get stocks that we own via total return swap right now. We're, we're hopefully going to be able to own them directly in custody. We're also going to have, you know, the, the companies themselves growing a great deal. We're going to have additional companies going public. Um, you know, there hasn't been much of that in the U.S. side of the business for a while mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. But no, we might have some additional companies going public and they could. So some tiny companies that I view as uninvestable right now might become investable companies that aren't even public gotcha. right now might become investable. So we're always looking at the universe of stocks. Something else about the fund is, you know, hell last, um, December a year ago, we were expecting safe. Maybe, uh, I do a lot of work on what's called the plumbing of the fund. And that means dealing with these swap counterparties, 
getting additional swap counterparties, getting backup swap counterparties, negotiating what the best rates are going to be, making sure there's plenty of capacity for when we do get those huge volume days that you're talking about, Shad. Um, I want to make sure the plumbing is in place that the fund can accept huge amounts of inflows. At the same time, we've made sure that the fund can accept huge amounts of outflows. Should those ever happen? And they really haven't. (laughs) Um, Even through the ups and downs, it's, it's, and sometimes people say, Oh, the fund had an outflow. It's a normal course of business. Money goes in, money goes out. It's mostly been in, but I spent a lot of time making sure all that structure is in place and running smoothly um, because we're expecting good things. Yeah, and I think that's, I can't imagine the amount of back-end work that's involved in structuring that. So, you know, putting you on the spot, I, I can't even imagine. But timeline-wise, no. <laughs> when you bring ahead. up a lot of this stuff, okay, we get the announcement, then we got to put pen to paper and put a lot of this work into place. Do you think it's still another 12 to 18 months before these institutions that quote-unquote are allowed are fully uh, submerged into this industry? Do you think it's, it's still... Yeah, I still think it's a ways away, but uh, does, does 12 to 18 months seem realistic? Sure. Um, I, I don't feel strongly about the dates because I know it's um, a lot of things to take place and a lot of work to be done. Now, does yeah. not, uh, uh, in the meantime, <laughs> I think these stocks have the potential, choosing my words here, potential to go through the roof. I mean, to be really, yeah. really... Um, you know, get a big bump when we get the DEA announcement and other multiple announcements along the way, such as the attorney general letter. And I think when we get the rescheduling announcement and the attorney general letter, I think it makes it a whole lot easier for our darn politicians, the elected ones, to go ahead and do safe banking or safer banking and yeah, some of point. the other bills. It, it, it takes the heat off and it makes those things easier to pass. So those are all big steps for these actual stocks, even while we might be waiting for all the paperwork behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if a DEA announcement means that, you know, B of A Merrill is suddenly going to allow cannabis stocks. I don't know if uh, a DEA announcement is going to suddenly uh, uh, make the NASDAQ or NYSE uh, uplist these stocks. Those are all additional steps that got to follow. Yeah, that one, that first step, though, was a big step because, like, nobody wants to sign off on this. But, man, the DEA could actually help a lot of people within this industry and, like, really nonchalantly and indirectly push a lot of these politicians, I guess, in the right direction, knowing that they've got to make something happen. Uh, We've had a couple of questions from some of our viewers about some of the uh, companies and positions. Uh, I know that yesterday during, uh, you know, some of the stuff that we're trying to talk, Canopy Growth. Uh, is not part of MSOs, but is very much part of your global cannabis ETF, YOLO. So I'd like to find out, like, when it comes to determining factors, when it comes to structuring certain ETFs where one company is included in one ETF and not another, like, how is that decided? Well, it's by the fund's prospectus is is a big one. Um, So always remember that uh, any fund anywhere has to honor what is in its principal investment strategy and in its uh, prospectus. And then part of its personal choice. Um, when we first launched MSOS, it had quite a bit more ancillary. You know, some of the REITs, some of the, you know, the grow gens, things like this. 
And um, one thing that we put in that fund's description is we want it to be pure U.S. exposure. So that meant gotcha. U.S. companies or companies that are probably making at least 50% of their revenue, 50% of their business in the U.S. So uh, I still view Canopy as primarily a Canadian company at this point. And um, I wouldn't want to have it in MSOS. We want to keep MSOS pure. We also you know, learned along the way that um, you know, what's your average investor want? Your average investor yeah. wanted the plant touching MSOs. Um, the fund's not required to do that. It's just the ticker. <laughs> but yeah. um, um, I don't think. And so we, we winded down most of the ancillary exposure in MSO. We want to be much more pure in plant touching MSOs. Primarily, it's not 100%, but really yeah. heavily primarily. So, um, the but global... to your point, like you said earlier, you're always looking at stuff because if the industry changes, then, you know, obviously the worst kept secret in the industry is about Canopy. And if there's uh, Canopy USA eventually down the road, that's very much obviously in play. Tilray as well with their, you know, American footprint that they're trying to get in uh, once yep. we see. But that stuff all comes into play, but it's just going to take time. But well, explained as to what your current position is right now and uh again what you're probably uh considering later on down the road right absolutely and you know the fun yolo people should look at it i think it doesn't get enough love um yeah <laughs> it, it existed before msos uh and um it, msos couldn't have existed if we hadn't uh done all the approvals and uh, legal opinions and SEC approvals and NYSE approvals and everything else. So YOLO's there, but it has more, um, some really good ancillary stuff, some really good medical stuff. Uh, it has some Israel, it has some UK. Yeah. Uh, people should take a look. Uh, there's some, there's some hidden gems in YOLO in my opinion. Yeah. One last thing. Its yeah. biggest holding is MSOS, and we waive the fees. We waive the fees uh, on that, so we're not double dipping. It's an easy way to have U.S. exposure without having all the individual swaps of individual names. So, oh, that's important it. to know. Well, curious to see what's going to happen in Germany. Uh, I keep hearing that adult use, the vote's going to happen and pass within the next yep. 30 to 60 days. So that's you know big market to say the least and uh curious to see how that'll unfold the european market knowing that germany who always leads first in europe um if they actually put pen to paper sign off on that but it's been a little bit delayed but uh yeah big opportunity for companies like uh tilray and uh, cureleaf one last question we had one of our viewers go ahead did you want to uh, finish that no. thought no 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 go ahead um, we, uh, we like we like cureleaf a lot for their uh um, european exposure but go ahead one other question from one of our viewers, if you could provide any insight on current short positions on MSO, uh, MSOs and what you're currently seeing, do you care to elaborate on that? Yeah, and it's complicated because um, I think part of the short position, and this is just I think, is because you got to remember um, there's a lot of market makers making a market in MSOS. Yeah. There's a lot of market makers that um, make a market in MSOX, the 2X version, and MSOX owns lots of shares um, through swap counterparties of MSOS. Um, there's also options on MSOX and MSOS. So if you look at the top holders of MSOS, 
you will see um, some big family offices and hedge funds, but you'll also see the biggest trading firms, Susquehanna, Virtu, Jane Street, Belvedere, others. And they're not, um, take off your tinfoil hats, everybody. Uh, all they're doing is making markets. That's their job. Um, you know, there, I know there were some algos out of Canada and there was a hedge fund that was shut down that had big short positions. So I'm yes. saying those are the long positions, but they're also a lot of the short positions. So yeah. there's long positions, there's short positions. And a lot of it, not all of it, a lot of it is simply market makers doing their job. When a market maker is selling shares of the fund to the street, they're technically going short the fund. And then they do a creation unit. So mm -hmm. go back and read how ETFs work. But um, yeah, there's a lot of the long position and short positions are simply held by market makers. Uh, are there other people out there shorting it? Uh, maybe long the individual name, short the fund. That was you know this, this one fund strategy I heard about. Probably, maybe. Do I think the, the the short interest is a big deal? Not really. Could it help with uh, when we get the big move up? Could there be some short yeah. squeezing going on? Maybe, sure. probably. Don't ever bet on a short squeeze, but it's nice when it happens. It's like a unicorn, though. <laughs> it's real nice when it happens, isn't it? <laughs> Miss the Tilray GameStop days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. One last thing I want to touch on, actually, switch to psychedelics real quick. Big news, obviously, last week pertaining to uh, MAPS. They're rebranding to Lycos Therapeutics, $100 million Series A financing round, oversubscribed, big hitters involved in this space. And that's, I think, going to have a domino effect on your ETF PSL. Um, We saw, I guess, you know, last week, uh, Numinous Wellness, Cybin, MindMed, Atai, Compass. These stocks have been beaten down so hard. Yeah. But I'm curious to see... If MAPS now Lycos, and it appears it's heading that way, they do get FDA approval for the MDMA protocol. Um, do you see a lot of these companies that have some sort of association with this company that are already listed on big board exchanges um, and knowing they've been hit so hard, they could rebound, uh, say, quicker? Uh, I don't want to compare it to, to cannabis, but... Um, are you hearing anything that shows some interest levels pertaining to what we're segue into 2024 and that announcement from last week? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's big, but we've been seeing similar announcements, you know, all through the past year. So um, psychedelics have been, you know, it's frustrating as hell. They have been beaten down. Um, and, you know, quick advertisement to everybody listening. Show that fund some love. It needs it. It's still a tiny fund. Uh, we knew it'd be very volatile. These things are very volatile. Yeah. Much like cannabis, we wanted the psychedelics fund to be rather pure. We want to have real psychedelics companies in there. That's why we don't hold Johnson and Johnson. Are they dabbling in psychedelics? Sure they are. Is it a primary yeah. part of their, um, of their business? God, no way. It's, it's in, no it's infantile, tiny. So, um, you know, look at our holdings. You dropped the name, uh, just now of a number of our holdings in that fund. Yeah. Um, they can move wildly, but yeah, we see lots of good step by step here. Um, the, we think these stocks, uh, have the ability to move up a lot, just like they had the ability to move down a lot. Um, there could also be some, um, you know, it's a tough thing if they're all acquisition targets, um, because mm -hmm. 
these companies are very different than cannabis that they trade on their FDA pipeline. They trade based on their intellectual property and what they got versus the other guy. But it's all moving in the right direction. It's all moving more mainstream. And um, the maps last week was a big, a big step. Yeah, big step to say the least. Um, well, I hope that we covered off, I think, a lot of questions. Uh, I know that you were on Yahoo Finance earlier this week. How'd that interview go? Do the mainstream media, do they understand the space? Or are you still trying to walk them through and hold their hand? <laughs> Somewhere in between. <laughs> Somewhere, Somewhere in between. In between. Um, okay. you know, they still love talking about uh, Canopy and Tilray and maybe even a little bit of Aurora here and there, but l- lesser so. <laughs> um, but uh, it's nice. got... Um, you know, cannabis happening in the U.S., the potential reform that, gosh, we're waiting yeah. on. Uh, it's still, it's getting more mainstream play in the press. So it's, yeah. but I'm still educating. Whenever I talk to them, yeah. I'm educating because a lot of people have just seen red. And all the red that we've seen in the last three years is the exact same thing that causes a big bunch of investors to still be on the sideline. They're on the sideline and then they can come in and that'll be nice when it happens because there's a lot of true believers that are already pretty, pretty deeply invested in cannabis. We need all those people on the sidelines still to come in and your average investor still on the sidelines. I had a call with the uh, people over at BDSA analytics last week, and you brought up just the idea of mainstream, but like, for example, state of Michigan, and if anyone's, you know, consumed cannabis, even once within the state of Michigan, as little as three and a half years ago was less than 30%. Today, it's over 55%. Like that's huge growth. Now is alcohol a lot bigger? Yes, but younger generations, um, <laughs> there's just not a lot of people drinking anymore. So you can imagine how much this has grown in the last two, three, four years. Once we get this proper infrastructure in place, institutions come in. This is the anticipation that anybody that's been following this industry is so excited about. If you show the 52-week charts to people that don't follow it, they're like, hey, I'm out of here. I'm not touching this. But their loss is our benefit, but it just takes time. But you know, most importantly, I think it's great to have these conversations, just update people from time to time. But uh, I appreciate you uh, checking in here today and uh, giving us the time. And more importantly, Happy New Year to you, Mackenzie, Noah, and the whole team. And uh, as usual, let's please keep in touch. Absolutely. Anytime. Go go Cowboys too, buddy. Hey, I like that. Thanks. (laughs) Good stuff. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Hey everyone, so what'd you think of the video? Leave your comments below and let us know your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. As usual, subscribe to our channel by clicking on the link here. If you wanna see more videos like this, then click on the link here and click on that bell for all notifications. Because most importantly, we wanna know your feedback because we wouldn't be here without you. Thanks for watching everyone.